Truth Espresso, Episode 97. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hey there, friends, and welcome to another episode of Truth Espresso. I would just like to let you know that there are some good notes for some exciting episodes coming up here in the works as I have been making progress getting over the sickness that I had these last few weeks that have really made things a little bit difficult and as things have gotten busy around here, been working on notes, but just didn't have things put together just quite yet to really make the episodes coming up the best that they can be. And so what I would like to do for this week is to take really one of my favorite episodes that I recorded and just kind of replay this one because This one is actually the last episode that I recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And I think that it has a lot of relevance today, just as it did back then in February of 2020. And so what I would like to do is to rewind and replay for the first time on Truth Espresso, doing a rewind, the episode, How Not to Let Social Media Depress You. And so, here we go. Ah, social media, the marvels of modern technology that allow you to keep in touch with your childhood friends. People you knew many years ago as a kindergarten crush or that pint-sized bully who still terrifies you to this day seem to be long gone. Now those faces are coming up, even when you weren't looking. They now show up on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and getting in touch is just a click away, or on your smartphone now literally just a touch away. Hi, this is Daniel Minnick, the host of Truth Espresso. I hope you are doing well, and thank you for tuning in. I am actually recording this episode in a hotel room, and that is because my wife is attending a conference on women's health care from a pro-life perspective. My wife is getting ready to start a women's health clinic, a life-affirming women's health clinic, and so I think that is wonderful, and I'm, I am very glad to support this very Christ-honoring endeavor. And so if any kind of sound effects might happen in the background, just know that I am recording this episode actually in a hotel room. This episode is a very interesting look into the world of social media, particularly some of the pitfalls that come from social media. And the title of this episode is How Not to Let Social Media Depress You. Now, my social media platforms of choice are Facebook and YouTube. Boy, am I so square. And I think that has to do with the fact that I'm kind of an aging person on the spectrum of generations. I have been using Facebook over a dozen years now, and all of those years as an adult. You know, it kind of creeps me out a little bit just thinking about the younger kids. Some of the kids who I see who grew up on Facebook with their baby pictures. That that just seems a little creepy to me. Oh, those poor Generation Zers. It's almost like they're all stuck in the Truman Show of social media. Of course, many of you Generation Zers might be asking, What is a Truman Show? Well... You know, if you have to ask that, you're you're too young. It was a movie with 
Jim Carrey back when he was a little bit younger and uh, during the rise of the reality TV craze. And basically, Jim Carrey playing a guy named Truman was living his life from cradle basically with the expectation to grave as the star of a reality TV show. And he didn't even realize that he was on TV. He thought he was just living his life, but he had millions of viewers around the world who were seeing him be born, grow up in his childhood, get married, work as an adult. And, you know, it's just kind of creepy and and seeing generation zers who grew up knowing nothing outside of having all their pictures on social media for people's friends to see on the internet that you know that that just kind of creeps me out and kind of makes me glad that when I was born there was no social media but don't get me wrong I love social media I love to make good use of it especially I like to use Facebook for catching up on news chatting with people um, using several groups on Facebook basically that have to deal with my apologetics endeavors and podcasting and things like that and then of course I like to watch various lectures and perspectives on videos on YouTube. And so Facebook and YouTube to me are tools to um, help out my trade, as it were. But I want to talk about Facebook just a little bit here, Um, kind of humorously before we get into the seriousness of the topic. Having been on Facebook for over a dozen years now, I have observed several personality types based on um, the profiles on Facebook. So I have observed, you know, three different Facebook profile types. The first Facebook profile type of note is what I would call the selfie elf. So what is this selfie elf? Well, the selfie elf has a huge album, hundreds or even thousands of pictures that have almost the same subject, but a different background. And so the same subject for the selfie elf is a selfie picture of the person. Obviously, that person was holding up the phone on a selfie stick and so you see the same smile the same picture the same person up close and the difference is the background of where that person is and so it's like hey i'm in paris france in front of the eiffel tower or hey i'm in the himalayas or hey i'm in the front of the grand canyon but you know, the pictures almost look identical because most of the picture is the selfie elf smiling. And you can have to squint a little bit and see the background and notice, oh yeah, I could I could see part of the Grand Canyon behind your selfie. Yes, I, I uh, looks like you're having fun. And so that's the selfie elf. And number two Facebook profile type is what I'll call the meme genie. And this person also has a large album that has hundreds of pictures. But of those pictures, almost all of them are memes. And most of these are memes that the person has not really created him or herself. They're memes kifed or shared from other sources. And so if you scroll through all of these memes, you know, you have the ones with uh, Buzz Lightyear putting his arm around uh, Woody's shoulder and saying something, something everywhere. Or, you know, you have Gandalf from Lord of the Rings um, in the confrontation with uh, the Balrog and saying something that's tweaked from what he says there on the bridge. Or you have um, the guy from Braveheart and he says... Something to the fact that there are times when X must be done, but it is not this day, you know, and and these memes are littered all over the album. And and sometimes you see lots and lots of memes related to a certain pet peeve that basically keeps pushing this idea over and over again. So gleaning through all these, the memes of the meme genie profile, you can 
kind of assess piece by piece where the person stands politically or what the person's obsession is with certain types of entertainment and so on. And then buried deep in that album, you might piece together about a dozen pictures that actually show the person, usually with uh, a group of like family or friends, something like that. So this is the person who likes to communicate messages through memes and make people laugh or thumbs up and so on. And it's not someone who has to get you to see his or her mug on a picture. And so that's the meme genie and a number three Facebook profile type is the lurker. Now, the lurker is someone who has been on Facebook for, you know, a decade or more, quite a few years, but still, after all this time, has just a small album that has pretty much been collecting digital dust. You know, I might have to say that I'm probably closer to this one than a lot of people I know on Facebook, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because Facebook doesn't always have to be about you. It could be about other people and it can be a a tool, as I said before. So those are three Facebook profile types that I I, I just kind of want to take a a pot shot at and make fun of because social media is something we should be able to laugh and joke about and have fun with. But social media has its pros and its cons. One pro for social media certainly is the access to information and the availability of information that was never conceivable just a few decades ago. I mean, I am glad, for one, that social media has also become a source for news. Now, we got to take that with a grain of salt, because sometimes a lot of fake news gets spread on social media. But along with the fake news, social media allows lots of people to be able to tear it apart and try to present truth, too. So sometimes when an event happens, like an event around the world, people on social media spread it and People using social media find out about some of this news before any of the major headlines from the mainstream media sources actually get their feet off the ground to discover it and promote it. So, social media can be a good source for news as long as you have a discerning mind. Another pro of social media is that it can allow the user to have tools for building technical skills and qualify for more jobs and these tools can be cheaper than what they once were that what you'd have to find in a store or going to some workshop or getting some of that information in college you can sometimes get free information by being able to talk with people directly or watch some of their link videos via links and so on to learn how to do things and acquire real real marketable skills many times for free And amassing yourself of some of these tools can allow you to be more qualified for really nice, higher-paying jobs. And social media can even make some of these job openings more available to you. Gone are the days of having to look at the papers and find job openings in your local area. You can find even, if you're willing to move, social media can allow you to find a job in another state that could be better than any of the ones available in your area. So that is definitely another pro for social media. Here's another pro that I think is really important for those of us who are Christians is that social media can increase the avenues for sharing the truth of Christ easier. I know for me in particular, I am a member of quite a few groups on 
Facebook and I use that to my advantage. I can share the truth about Jesus Christ. I have witnessed to people. I have talked to some atheists about Jesus Christ and try to challenge their worldview. And I have explained the gospel deeply to people who are Jehovah's Witnesses, who you wonder how they are even allowed to do that or some people who have beliefs similar to Jehovah's Witnesses. But yes, I have used Facebook groups to share the gospel with people. So social media definitely has its pros, but of course it has its cons. And one of the cons of social media, especially for younger people, is that it can distract them from direct interactions. You know, sometimes... Uh, us adults, us older adults, can make fun of the idea when we see a bunch of kids or teenagers at a restaurant or just hanging out at the mall or something like that, and they're right there together, and yet they all have their phones out and they're texting each other or you know, instant messaging each other through their phones. You see them kind of giggling and laughing at what each other's saying, but their mouths are not moving. They're not telling each other the words. And you think, how inefficient is this? I mean, social media is supposed to make some interaction more efficient with people farther away. But you'd think, you know, if you're two feet away, social media would be less efficient. Why would you talk to each other on your phones when you're right there? And maybe some of these younger people could be lacking more in, in social skills and, and knowing how to say things to people's faces. So that's one of the cons of social media. Another con is that it can lead to distortions of everyone else's reality. And this is going to be the meat. This is going to be the heart and soul of this episode. Recently, I found an article that was released a few months ago, and it's still relevant today. Yes, I know in the digital age, a few months could be a lot of time in internet years, but, you know, it's still relevant today, just as even some articles from 2015 can still be relevant today, and things even a few decades ago could still be relevant today, and as Christians, we should be able to say that the Bible compiled and and finalized in about 2,000 years ago is still relevant today, but I digress from that rabbit hole here, that rabbit trail, but okay, the article that I read, that was released a few weeks or a few months ago on Forbes.com is entitled How Keeping Up with the Joneses on Social Media is Damaging Everyone Else's Mental Health. And the contributor for this is a lady by the name of Amy Morin. So how keeping up with the Joneses on social media is damaging everyone else's mental health. According to this article, quote, we are now even bombarded with our own friends' glamorous pictures of luxuries and vacation times, unquote. And so there are a lot of people who actually struggle with depression and they're heavy users of social media. So let's just take the scenario of a typical Facebook user who might be struggling with depression. And you think, why would someone struggle with depression? I mean, this allows them to be able to talk with all their friends and keep in touch with a lot of people that they grew up with as kids. And now there's so much to, to learn about them. There's, it's so easy to socialize with people. Yes, but that comes with a definite caveat. So, as you're using Facebook or Instagram or whatever that has words and pictures from your friends and you, you're scrolling through the feeds of some of your friends that you have just gotten back together with for years and you realize, is my life complete like my friends is? 
Wow, look at that nice car. Wow, look at that big house that they have. Wow, look at the kids. They're always smiling. These people, they're always smiling. I'm not always smiling, but look at all the pictures that they have. They always have smiles on their faces and their wall on Facebook. It's always talking about how they went to this or that fancy restaurant. And oh, look, they went on this hiking trip and oh they went on a trip to europe and you know they're just sightseeing and their their lives just seem so glamorous and they just seem to have nothing but leisure all the time except for when they're in their cushy job working in an office doing absolutely nothing but chatting with friends like basically they're just paid to have fun and they get paid lots of money and then they're always so excited and having so much fun showing you how their lives are just so incredibly fulfilling and rewarding and what can you do you're struggling with depression you're trying to make ends meet you have your financial difficulties unlike your friends on facebook unless they joke about it or maybe they ask for prayer because they actually got a cold or something like that you know You have your medical expenses, you get sick and you feel miserable and but you know, your friends they don't they don't you don't see that. All you see is happiness and fun and adventure all the time. And everyone's just so well behaved. I mean, all the kids just glibly smile for pictures and they're all having fun. So what are you to make of this as you scroll down and friend after friend one after the other are telling you and telling all of their other friends about something fun they got to do and how could their lives just not be so full of just happiness and contentment all the time because all of their pictures have they have smiles on their faces So all your friends are, according to the article, quote, going on exotic vacations, showing off your busy social calendar, and proving you have a happier life than everyone else on Instagram, unquote. Well, I have yet to use Instagram, probably because I'm old enough to be considered the oldest of the millennial generation or the youngest of the generation Xers, or maybe I should be called an Xennial or whatever. I am quite a few years removed from the generation Zers, and so I'm showing my signs of age, and technically, you know, it kind of scares me. I I keep thinking I'm supposed to be a kid still, but, you know, I could quite comfortably be someone's grandpa if I had timed things right. So, yeah, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. (laughs) But let's think of what this article is telling us. Keeping up with the Joneses is a saying that has been around and, you know, you, you have your neighbors and on the other side of the fence, it seems like their lawn is always greener and trimmed better. And in the parking lot or in their lot, they have a much nicer, shinier vehicle than you have. And, and when they leave the house and they wave at you, they have this smile on their face trying to be nice of course but as you notice the way they live their life it seems or the way that they express it to you they have it all together and everything about their lives that you can see just seem to be nothing but luxury all the time the ideal job the ideal car the ideal family And dogs that are nothing but friends and do nothing that require you any headache. And you tend to get jealous. The temptation there is to harbor quite a bit of envy because you're so familiar with your own life. And all you can think about are your shortcomings. All you can think about are the difficulties you face. All you can think about are how much the next mortgage bill is going to be or the next medical bill or the next car repair bill 
or how busy it's going to be to take your kids places and you know just think about it like as a christian you get up early on a sunday morning and you're struggling to try to get ready and trying to get um the kids ready out the door and then they're whiny or arguing and and then you find you get out the door a little bit late you know because of trying to deal with all that and you know you're kind of your kids are grumpy so they made you grumpy back at them and then you get you park your car in the church parking lot and then you get out and you're all nicely dressed but you had to take a deep breath and put on your church face and put that smile on your face and now you start walking in the door and you see that other family that they're not, they're nicely dressed they may even be a little more nicely dressed than you are or they could just be on par with you but they're just all waltzing in with smiles on their faces and they and they say howdy or hi and you know and you smile back and say hi but inside you're thinking i wish i had the perfect family that they like them they just seem to have it all together but look at me i have to put on a face i may be smiling but i feel fake but they're all smiling because isn't that what their life is like all the time? Let me bring up Proverbs 14:30 before we get into talking about separating reality from fantasy. Proverbs 14:30 says, "A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones." So a heart that is sound or a heart that perceives reality, a heart that recognizes truth, is the life of the flesh. So if your heart understands the way things truly are and the way things truly should be represented, then this kind of heart helps your flesh to be healthy. But envy, desiring what other people have, can rotten your bones. And that's what this article is talking about. How the philosophy of trying to keep up with the Joneses on social media can actually damage your mental health. And damaging your mental health damages your physical health. I mean, your mind is part of your body. And as your mind struggles, your physical health can diminish. Because observing social media and observing all your friends in what you think is reality, seeing all their smiling faces and all their pictures on their walls on Facebook and Instagram, might be communicating to you something that is not entirely true. Now, remember that illustration about how your morning just might look as you're trying to gather your family to church on a Sunday morning. And you put a smile on your face. And you and your kids are all dressed up for the day. How do you think other families might perceive you? Perhaps maybe the way you're perceiving other families. Maybe there are other families who look at you. Maybe there are other friends who look at you and they envy what you have, or rather, they envy what they think you have. And if you knew the way they thought your life was like by what they see of you on social media and what they see of you, maybe even in person at that one or two hours at church, where you are intending to convey something. They see that and they're struggling inside not to be envious of you. (laughs) And you might be like laughing now and thinking, why would anyone be envious of me? Everyone else is better off than I am. And I'm trying so hard to fit in, but I'm just failing miserably because inside I'm rotting, inside I'm hurting. And I have all I can do to put on a face and smile all the time. Well, there you go. What other people see of you might mostly be your smiles, but they don't see the inside. So think about that as you're scrolling through that feed. 
What are you seeing? Are you seeing the whole picture? Or are you seeing what you're trying to convey to other people? Continuing with the article from Forbes, quote, Studies have linked Facebook envy directly to depression. Instagram has been found to be even worse for mental health, unquote. Well, thank goodness that I have not yet been on Instagram, but, you know, point taken. From the article, quote, It's easy to forget that other people are just showing off the best moments of their lives. And you might lose sight of the fact that everyone experiences problems, mood swings, and negative thoughts too, unquote. You know, those sentences kind of speak for themselves, don't they? Think about it. If you're someone who is trying to keep up with the Joneses, if you're someone who is basically spending money that you don't really have to spend, trying to put on a front, trying to impress what you think are your superior friends and family, shouldn't it dawn on you to think about this? Perhaps they're doing the same thing. Perhaps they're rotting inside. Perhaps they have major problems. Perhaps they're struggling with depression. And the only way that they can try to cope with it, at least the way it seems, it's an uphill battle all the time. But they just can't overcome it. And so the more they try, the worse it gets. But how are they trying to cope with this Depression, this envy of you, is to compete by posting lots of pictures showing them smiling, doing things. Remember, you don't put your whole life on Facebook or Instagram, social media. You're not posting all the pictures of yourself showing you depressed, curled up in the bathroom, crying your eyes out on the counter, in the sink, in the bathroom, struggling with your depression. You don't post all those pictures of yourself on your Facebook wall. Now, some people do give in and they might post some words talking about how they're depressed and asking for prayer and so on. And then sometimes when you see that, you think, wait, why, why are you depressed? Look at all this other stuff that shows how much fun you're having. Well, we all need to understand that what we see of each other on Facebook is what we all want everyone else to see. What we are posting on Facebook and Instagram are the headlines of our lives, the very carefully crafted headlines. For Christmas, I got a few books written by a guy by the name of Robert Bly, B-L-Y. Robert Bly is a copywriter. Now, when I say copywriter, I don't mean someone who registers copyrights on books or so on. I mean, write, W-R-I-T-E. A copywriter is someone who writes what is called copy or words that are used to sell things. So I got three of his books for Christmas. Robert Bly, in his books on copywriting, breaks down the art and science of copy for the average communicator. If you, if you want to get into writing sales copy, I would recommend that you check out Robert Bly. And as I was reading in some of the books that I got written by Robert Bly, he made a shocking statement. He said that 80% of readers that buy products have only read the headline. So what is a headline? A headline is a very brief phrase, clause, or sentence whose every word is carefully crafted, written, or rewritten to get you to react. So think about it. In a very short number of words, you have all of this information packed in a very short statement carefully crafted to try to get people with very short attention spans to change their mind about something or to react 
and to buy something, trying to get people to part with their money or be convinced of a certain position on something and change and do something by using only a handful of words. So about 80% of people who react and buy a product only read the headline. So what's the whole point of the article? Well, for those who are a little more astute and get past the headline, some of them are curious enough to then read the article and gather more details and more information. So now the copy, the article, is not just something that's dry and academic, you know, to turn off the reader. It still has to have its persuasive points, its ability to sell, and usually lists some bullet points or numbered points or uh, things like that to try to convince you to buy something or to switch political parties or get on board with a certain social agenda or whatever. But the headline is the most important part of copy. You do not write a headline in 30 seconds. You could spend hours crafting 12 words in a headline because in that short headline, you are going to have the most persuasive part of your sale, your pitch. And so let's apply this to social media. What you see on your friends' walls and feeds in their photo albums are the headlines. You haven't read all the copy of their lives. And even if they do give you some copy, you haven't read the fine print and the terms and conditions, as it were. You know, the pastor of my church a few years ago, preached a sermon talking about depression. And he did make this point very eloquently. He talked about how people can often get depressed looking through social media like Facebook. And he said, what you're seeing are other people's headlines. So think about it. What you are seeing are what people are selling to you of their lives. You're not seeing all the gory details of their lives. You're seeing what they're selling to you. And think about it. If you're trying to keep up with them and you have a prolific presence on Facebook or Instagram or some other social media platform, and you're trying to do the same thing, and you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, as it were, and you're pitching all of your attempts to show people how happy and successful you are because you're trying to compete. What are you doing? You're selling too. And so my advice then is not to become confused, to understand this very important point that what you are reading on Facebook and on Instagram are the headlines of people's lives. You don't see their problems or all of them. You don't see their struggles. You don't see their depression. All you know is your depression, your struggles, and then everyone else's selling points. So if you get that perspective down, you keep that ingrained into your mind. Whenever you see that luxurious picture of a vacation trip and the smile and the perfect families, they're not as perfect and as glamorous as the picture will lead you to believe. Through all the years that I've been on Facebook, I have seen what looked like perfect lives. All of a sudden, where you had a couple, instantaneously, it's now a single person and all the pictures of the spouse have been removed. I've seen the accounts where someone found the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend and you have pictures of them hanging out and having so much fun together everyone's smiling and then all of a sudden without warning poof single again and all those pictures have been removed so if you look at that and you assume that the headlines are all of what reality is for that person, you begin to wonder, 
How can someone just change in an instant like that? Well, it wasn't instantaneous. It may have been a festering problem that all of a sudden came to a head. It was something that was a breakup in the making. It was something that was doomed to happen for quite a while. But the pictures didn't show that. Think of how many pictures showing a couple at a fancy restaurant smiling into the camera might not show you the heated arguments that could have been a few minutes or a few hours before that. So just think about that. Just recognize that social media does not in any way come close to projecting the fullness of reality. But just think about this. Who wins from this distortion of reality? Who wins when you are spending all this money to try to keep up with the social personas of your friends and family and trying to keep up with all the things they're doing and they're spending on money and cars and houses and so on? Who wins from this? Is it you or your friends? How about the credit card companies? How about the banks? To quote from the article, quote, The truth is that the majority of people can't even afford the lavish lifestyles that they are portraying on social media, unquote. So here's a dose of social media reality. Let's look at the scriptures. Let's look at James chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3. The Apostle James writes, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts." It's almost as if James had social media in mind when he wrote that. People compete and struggle and get envious. And it's like sometimes people will even harbor this, this hatred, even of their friends. They feel like they want to like punch them in the face or something. You know, I want to knock that smile off your face. Oh, why can't I have what you have? Well, you don't even know for sure what they have. So, do not be deceived. Do not let the distortion of social media affect your life, affect your mental health. And so, I want to encourage you. I hope that this frees your mind to realize, (laughs) not in kind of a thought that you should feel, oh, well, if my friends aren't as happy as I think they are, then I'm happier because they're, they might be miserable. No, no, that's not the message of trying to get you to think. I don't want you to be happy because people might not be as happy as you think they are. That's not what I want you to take away from this. But what I want you to realize is that you're not competing with a standard of perfection that other people might have because they're not portray because what they're portraying to you is not all of reality but even after confronting all these facts that this article and the scriptures lay out for us if you still believe you will struggle with depression from social media use here are some tips Number one tip, take a break from social media. Some people just need to put it down, just put the phone down, put the tablet down, put the computer down, and walk away, at least for a little bit. And you might think, well, my time, my schedule, I'm so used to using social media. What will I do, twiddle my thumbs? No, just look for something to replace using social media. Replace your usage of social media with something different. But just as stimulating, you know, there there are things you could do. Since you're reading social media, why not read something else? Find a good book and start reading that for the same time that you would use social media. 
Or, of course, take out the old trusty Bible and start reading some Bible and get some encouragement there. Read the Psalms, read the Proverbs for wisdom, or read the Gospels and see the life of Jesus that it wasn't so glamorous, but you see the sacrifices that Jesus made to give his life to save you, or even read the book of Acts and see what the apostles of the early church went through. You know, those are some ideas. You know, if you take a break from social media, find something to replace it. Tip number two, change how you use social media. If your feed is full of all your uber cool friends that are showing off their world domination and their social habits and all their luxuries, look for other things to start filling in that feed that you see on social media. And you might wonder, well, how do I do that? Well, at least for Facebook, since I use Facebook, there are groups you can join. If you're not a member of uh, some Facebook groups, try searching for groups on Facebook. Think of things that are something you can do. Think of things you're interested in, your hobbies, some goals that you have. Maybe you're into craft making. Maybe you're into construction. Maybe you want to start a podcast. Maybe you're a mom with a two-year-old child and you want to find other moms with uh, two-year-old kids and, and associate with them and, and not just look for socializing, but for something that has advice on how to handle and do things fun and productive with two-year-old children. You can look for groups on Facebook around that. Find groups that have common goals and interests that you have. Find groups that are geared toward achieving things together. Or find groups that discuss things. You know, you could find groups, if you're a sports fan, find groups that have to do with people who are fans of the same teams that you are. You know, you can have fun with that and just get to talk to other people who agree with you on that. Find some good Christian groups on Facebook for you Christians out there. You know, you have your Christian friends, but unless the topic is geared toward the things that, that are profitable, that are intended for helping each other out, you might be stuck on Facebook trying to compete with the false image of what your friends are like, and vice versa. So, look for groups that help you out in these matters. For instance, I'm into apologetics and I'm into podcasting. And so I am a member of quite a few groups on Facebook related to theology and apologetics and talking with Roman Catholics and Jehovah's Witnesses and Oneness Pentecostals and so on. I'm also a member of several groups that have to do with podcasting and mostly about Christians who are podcasting and I have a lot of fun in those groups because everyone's all about helping each other out. If you're a newbie there, there are seasoned people who will bend over backwards to help you out. And this has been wonderful for Truth Espresso as well. And Truth Espresso is now a member podcast of the growing family of the Christian podcast community, and that never would have happened if I didn't look for Christian podcasting groups and join them. And I've gotten to know some really great people, some solid people in the faith who really want to help me out, and I've gotten to help other people out. And doing things like that is what really makes social media an enjoyable experience for me. And, you know, the more groups you join on Facebook, the smaller the feed from all of your friends' headlines that are going to show up. And then there's a lot more posts of people asking questions and getting answers and people helping themselves, helping each other out. And I think that's wonderful. That's the way I like Facebook to be for me. And so that was tip number two, change how you use social media and do that by joining some groups.
And tip number three, start metering your time on social media. If social media is just going to be a problem no matter what you do, for instance, if you spend way too much time on it, I mean, I I only spend a few minutes a day. I might spread those minutes out over the di- throughout the day, find five minutes here or there as I quickly check a feed or see if anyone has answered my question in a group, as I mentioned in tip number two. That's how I can meter my social media activity. It's not really healthy to sit on the couch or lounge on the couch and scroll through a social media feed for two hours or so. That distorts your mental view of reality and, as the article we were reading gets into, can lead to depression and anxiety. So, if you just have to use social media, because I personally think it's a good tool. Some people... As in tip number one, you need to take a hiatus, a break from social media for a while so you can gather your thoughts and replace your social media usage with like reading a book or something. But for this tip number three, if you just have to use it, just like a diet and metering certain types of food that you need to eat, Use social media, but try to time yourself, limit yourself to maybe 15 minutes a day or a half hour a day. And I would definitely advise breaking that out into little five-minute spots throughout the day so that you don't get caught up in it and it becomes a tool in your hand. You don't want social media to control you. You want to be the one in control of social media. You want social media to be your tool to improve your life and to improve the lives of your friends and family and maybe even other people that you get to meet that you can never have a chance to meet in person. And so I hope this episode, How Not to Let Social Media Depress You, has been helpful Stay tuned for other episodes of Truth Espresso, where we dig deep into the Word of God, we challenge political opinions, and we help people not get depressed with social media. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.